0: Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. I often laugh or cringe at the signs of churches that I see as I drive around. Some of those signs have really bad theology. One said that the The fact that there's a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven says a lot about the anticipated numbers. Some offer good advice, honk if you love Jesus, text while driving if you want to meet him. Some are punny, prevent truth decay, brush up on your Bible. And some I wish I could do. Be the person your dog thinks you are. There's a church in town that I saw its sign read, Need peace, Jesus brings peace. That sign was careful not to quote this morning's gospel. Where did this Jesus come from? is it Jesus the Jesus of love and compassion and peace and healing? So what is Jesus talking about bringing division? Why is he talking about my family's Thanksgiving dinners with sons against fathers and mother-in-laws against daughter-in-laws? Why does this message upset us? Will Willimon says that too often people in the church view the church as the place where we come to tie everything down, to secure everything in place, to stabilize our chaotic, frantic lives. And let's be honest, sometimes church is in fact that. It is this place that provides us stability in a life in which we sometimes feel like there is nothing that we can count on. At least we know that we can come here. There's something comforting about the fact that we repeat so many prayers over and over and over again, and it's not because we are boring or unimaginative, but there is comfort and familiarity. Yet this Sunday, Jesus reminds us that his mission is about considerably more than social conformity or emotional stability. Jesus is about the outbreaking, the bursting forth of the kingdom of God. Jesus has not come among us, he says, to pour water upon us in order to douse our enthusiasm. Jesus has come to cast fire upon the earth so that we might be purified and inflamed to do his will. That is anything but stability. When God comes and takes over your life, it can be terrifying, and it can sometimes even be costly. Fire is sometimes used to consume or destroy those of us who uh, might have experienced the terror of a grass fire or a forest fire know too well the dangers that those offer. This image of fire which consumes and destroys is one that so many Christians have relied upon in order for people to get their act together. Right? The church that says the fact that there's a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven, I imagine probably is preaching about fire which destroys and punishes. But fire also has another property. Fire can also cleanse. Now, I'm not sure if this is doctor approved or not, but I was always taught that if I have a splinter on my finger that I can't get at with tweezers, that I should burn the end of a needle and that would cleanse it so I could try to dig a little bit out so then I could get the tweezers. Right, so fire is one of those things that cleanses. It doesn't just destroy, but fire was used as a cleansing agent. And Jesus draws on this image of fire, right? He tells his disciples, I am baptizing you with water and with fire. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit, the fire that purifies and cleanses when the heart and mind and soul drink from the flames Of the river of God as I mentioned last week that Bible judgment biblical judgment godly judgment is oriented more towards redemption and renewal and justice and righteousness than it is about punishment our justice is focused on punishment I'm going to make you pay I can be the most petty person in the world if I want to be and often am. And thank God, God is not petty. A poet once spoke of the burning babe, an infant Jesus, in whom strangely fire and smoke and ash and blood become a testimony of love. The poet says, My faultless breast, the furnace is the fuel Wounding thorns. Love is the fire and sighs the smoke, the ashes, shame and scorn. The fuel justice layeth on and mercy blows the coals. In Dante's Inferno, if you wanted to go to paradise, you had to go through the fire of purgatory. The fire is where God would show up, and it is amazing. The great philosopher Charles Taylor says that we lived once in a world in which we assumed everything was spiritual. That gods and devils were at work all around us and we had to navigate the spiritual world. That many of the things that we now look upon as superstitious made total sense in a world in which there was God and the devil everywhere. And in our enlightened state, we began to say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Simply burying a Eucharistic host in your field is not going to make it grow more, um, be more productive. That's just silly thinking. And suddenly there was this tension between the spiritual and the secular. This fight between the two trying to grasp ground like a scrum on a rugby field. And now, Taylor says, now we live in a world in which everything is secular. In which the notion that we have an active and present God is somehow looked at and seen as silly. This God of fire, this God who shows up, this God who makes right, well that's just goofy. But Taylor says that the God that we find in scripture is the God that is God that God is still active and shows up, and sometimes we're just not trained to recognize it. Talking to a parishioner, I think this past week, and she was sharing the story of her prayers for her son, that her son would become a believer again. He's either agnostic or atheist. Maybe you all know people, too, that you wish had a deeper faith with God, and so you pray for them, and you hope that they will... Um, reignite that relationship. And so she said that she was going to, that a sign would show up. And, 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 and son, you get to pick the sign. And he has a business called Red Fox. So, so Red Foxes, that's going to be the sign of God. It's a true story. At least it as long as she told the tr- story true. He calls and he says, Mom, you're not going to believe it. I woke up. And I have an entire yard full of red foxes. Right? And, 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 you know, is that God showing up? Did God deliver all those red foxes? I don't know. But if that isn't a sign, I don't know what it is. But in the secular world, we go, huh, that's interesting. Maybe there's some sort of, um, of, of, of where they're, you know, the foxes are moving around. This was just by accident happenstance. But I wonder if we could open our minds a little bit more to think that God still shows up in our lives and we just don't know it. That when Scripture talks about being aware of the signs, like we can interpret the weather, right? How many of you all have gone out and go, hmm, the sky's kind of green, air feels a little, like, like you can just sense it, right? You don't need to wait till Mike Collier tells you there's a storm coming. You know it. The church from early on has read this call to look for the signs as a call for each generation to be aware and its eyes open to where the kingdom of God is showing up. That each generation must learn how to see where God is active in the world. That This is not just about being aware of the signs so we can figure out the exact date that Jesus is coming back so we can get our life together and we can all show up and drink the Kool-Aid together. This is about being aware of a God who is alive and active and saying, I want to be where God is. One of my favorite authors says that the church doesn't have, the mission, have a mission. God's mission has a church. The great Southern writer, Flannery O'Connor, says that you shall now know the, know the truth, and the truth will make you odd. <laughs> the great contemporary church historian, Pelkin, says that the greatest danger of the American church is that we're boring. That we have taken the most amazing story of redemption and love, of fire showing up in our lives, and we have domesticated it to keep it safe. There's a theory in preventing forest fires that you go and you clear out all the underbrush, right? Some environmentalists don't like this because they say, well, you're, you know, destroying natural habitats. But that's one way of destroying, uh, of preventing forest fires, and I feel like a lot of us, that's what we do. We, we, we keep the underbrush low so that we make sure that God doesn't actually take control of our life. Because if God does, we better watch out. Allow the fire to grow in you. Be open to the fact that God is the most real thing that there is. And be willing to go wherever God takes you. Amen. Amen.